The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. That's hey everybody! Underneath, that's where it's at. <laughs> that was very welcome, nice. Welcome to the winemakers. I'm John Myers. I'm sitting across from Bart Hansen. Hi, John. Sam Kachuri. Hey, John. How are you? And as always, Mr. Brian Casey. It's How nice are you, to buddy? see all you guys. Yeah, it's been yeah. a while. The gang's back together. Yeah. Well, the boys are back in town. <sighs> yeah. Flu season. <laughs> flu season's over. Flu season is over. It's uh, summertime. It's February first. It's seventy degrees. Bart's in shorts. Right. Uh, and, and and I was and, gonna say flip flops, but no. And he's the, a winemaker. He's I've, in his blunts down still. So. I've got uh, <laughs> a, a sparkling uh, rosé in front of me. It's beautiful. Well, I what? brought a couple. Uh, uh, this is versions nice. of sparkling wine, not traditional or not uh, the regular thing that people drink. <sighs> it uh, you know not from champagne. One is the Lambrusco. Mm. Which is what you're drinking right now, which is the, Damn, the name of the grape. It's Italian, good. and I I love that with um, cured meats and cheese. Um, day like today, what is like sixty five? Yeah, probably going to be in the seventies uh, all this week. Yeah, on the way to um, and then I also brought a Brichetto di Acqui, um from the Brichetto grape, uh, also Italian, and. Um, that one's kind of more strawberry uh, light, but just for a day like today, oh, I thought it'd be nice to have really a little sparkling. Uh, you you threw a New Year's party for us. You brought some bubbles and right? popped them. And, <laughs> right? you know, now, this moving one, to Lam 18, Brusco putting 17 away. Very different. And You know, that that was actually in the 70s and the 80s. That was one of the number one imports to the United States was this Lam Brusco. Yep. Certainly has a different taste. And uh, Wait, Let me try it. And you know that label looks like it was in the seventies, right? Right. It's not quite the eighties, but it's Sam. definitely got some seventies. And we've actually had people ask for this now at the at the restaurant at Sante. I've had people come in. Lambrusco going to make a comeback and, and oh, ask, man, "Do you guys have any Lambrusco?" I'm 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 stuffed up because it's Sonoma and it's sunny and everything's blooming and my allergies are kicking in, well. so I can't really smell anything. But you pour the glass of Lambrusco, and I'm three feet away from it. And I can smell it. Oh, wow. yeah. you sure can. I like Lambrusco's making a comeback. Reported first here on the, the right. winemakers. <laughs> All <laughs> right, so now you had you slipped in something there about 2017. You and Bart were hassling back. Oh, what? What? <laughs> oh, you? We're, we're giving you a hard time, John. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good. You should. We're trying to stick to the script. <laughs> well, you know what? It really. I just wanted to get away from 2017 and get into 2018. You know what? There were a lot of great things that happened in 2017. Uh, 17, but um, that's fine. We'll move on and, uh, you know, but, go for it. Hey, here we go. You know what? I mean, 2018 can be <laughs> so much better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 2018 uh, could do one thing and be better than 2017, which is not catch on fire. And I think <laughs> we'd be all good. I mean, you can move on from there in any, any number of direction, but, um, you know, it is. Here it's it's February. Um, you know, I was out pruning grapevines uh, the other day, and uh, you know, cover crop is about knee high. You know, 
Curry's can bury himself in it and roll around. Roll around. Actually, he just eats it. He only in organic vineyards. Yeah, he nope. eats the cover crop. If it's a non-organic vineyard, he goes and he sniffs at it and he doesn't eat it. And moves on. Moves on. It is amazing the cover crops. They kind of established established themselves nicely, and then they kind of stalled out. But the last week and a half, man, yeah. they've just a little bit of rain and yeah, a whole bunch of sunshine. Sun. Yeah. And it's it's thick. it's perfect. And it's, it's thick, thick out there. Yeah. Yeah. Sam, I got a question about pruning because I, I yeah. think I saw an Instagram picture that um, I, I, your dad was in it, and some yeah. woman I didn't recognize. But one of the, um, one of uh, his viticulturists. Okay, yeah. um, Cassie. Yeah, because you just see Cassie. these. If if you guys, you know, anyone listening out there, if you if you drive out in the vineyards right now, you just kind of see these. It almost looks like just sticks sticking up in the air, right? right. You got the the vines, and um, there's no leaves. There's nothing on them. So when you talk about pruning this time of year, what exactly are you, I mean, what are you talking about? You're talking about cutting all those little sticks or are you trying to train things in a certain so, direction or? Yes to all of that. Grapes only form on new growth. And kind of for almost every like fruit, tree, vine, that's the case. The The, the fruit only grows on, on new growth. So all those sticks out there that you see that had all the leaves on them, you know, lower down on them is where where the grapes were hanging. Um, and so you cut those back to whatever sort of base they grew from so that a new growth will come, a new shoot will come out of that position and you'll have that same setup where you'll have the, you know, the fruit at the bottom and the leaves reaching up and, you know, feeding the plant. So, um, you know, this time of year, what you're doing is training the vines, shaping the vines to, grow in the way that you want them to and this is you know kind of the beginning of where all of this begins is, is the the type of wine that you're making um a, a lot of it is based on what kind of pruning you're doing i mean uh, i think uh, you said it in one of your posts this is uh one of the most important decisions uh besides the picking right. uh decision that you make in the entire year right it's yeah, how, yeah, to, totally. how to prune your how to prune your vine and when to prune your vine you know, where the fruit hangs on the vine is going to have a lot to do with um, how the wine tastes at the end of the day. Wow. Um, and, you know, so right now making those decisions on, you know, where you make the cuts and it's um, until you've done it hundreds of thousands of times, it's one of the more nerve wracking things you're doing because it's so <laughs> sort of basic. I mean, isn't it true that uh, you can't prune for enterprise vineyards until you've worked there for Five years? <laughs> I don't know if that. Yeah. I don't know if there's. A, I don't know if there's a rule. Probably something like that. I mean, you know, the pruning crew um, is definitely an experienced group of people. Um, you know, it's not something that uh, you get to go and fill out an application and show up and get given a pair of shears and sent out to yeah. the vineyard. You know, it's it, not, it is a here, true go apprenticeship. Tr yeah, go trim some vines. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't do that because you know you can. Not only can you mess up this harvest, this season, um, if you do it wrong, you can put that vine's development, you know, back two, three years. So, um, yeah, it's it's a it's stressful. So you're <laughs> you sit there you're going, sort of visualizing. I, don't, I haven't done it nearly enough to n even know. But you're kind of visualizing what ultimately you want that vine to look like when it's harvested. So you're imagining what the canopy is going to look like and where the fruit's going to hang. And, and so That's you're kind exactly of right. so kind of like bonsai uh, uh, plants. You know how people have those at home and they kind of train them in a certain direction. So you're kind of just kind of visualizing the, the shape that you're going to want ultimately. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of it is, um, 
kind of predetermined based on like what kind of trellis system you have. Right. You know, you, there's a plan what in place. What direction it's facing? Yeah, exposure to the sun, things like that. Yeah, I mean, mostly, mostly it really has to do with the, the variety, um, the the vineyard itself, whether it's flat or or um, you know on a hillside, trellised or you know terraced or straight up and down. Um, but the really, you know, the trellis system and the way you prune is what's you know sort of determine whether you're going for quality or you're going for high yield or um, you know sort of what your farming system is, whether you're using tractors or using you know mechanized harvesting or whatnot. That all kind of comes from you know what's going on right now. Hmm. And then what are you doing with all the pieces that you cut off? You burn them and scare the hell out of everybody in Sonoma. Well, that is one thing that you can do. That's Um, what you do. (laughs) You know, one of the things that um, we were talking before we started recording about a a conference that I went to called Eco Farm. um, And and one of the things that they're talking about at Eco Farm is uh, the ability for farmers in general. And this is actually specifically with with starting with the the cattle industry. that you can farm in such a way that you're actually taking carbon out of the air and putting it into the soil and, and sequestering it. And basically what you're doing is growing plants because what a plant does is it, you know, plants breathe in the air and absorb carbon dioxide and, ex- you know, breathe out oxygen, which is why we all like to have plants. You know, that's what plants are important Keeps for. Keeps us alive. Keeps us alive. Um, but this other thing is... They're absorbing carbon. They're taking carbon out of the atmosphere. They're taking CO2 out of the atmosphere. And if you do it right, you're putting it into the ground. It's carbon sequestration. So um, one of the things that we're working on is not burning um, the pruning clippings and Put actually back in. composting them. Or just yeah. A lot of times we'll just leave them in the row. And when oh. we come through and disc, you're breaking them up and cutting them down and putting them right back into the soil. So that's um, smart, you know. And also, you don't scare your neighbors because yeah. <laughs> the whole valley smells yeah. like smoke and everybody's freaking out with their PTSD. So is that different than the concept behind biochar? Yeah, it's, it's very different than bio. I mean, biochar. Yes and no. Um, biochar, you're making uh, carbonated fertilizer and adding it into the soil. Um, because it's good for plants, it's good for the soil. Um, what they're finding is doing things like that, and really just composting in general, adding organic carbon to the soil um, increases the soil's ability to absorb more. So, um, you know, yeah, that makes that's sense. sort of one of the you know sort of beneficial side effects of of biotech. You are fixing the earth, you're not destroying it. That's the, the Look, whole point. I, I, you know, and frankly. Um, Industrial farming is part of the problem, but if you can do industrial farming that is also, um, you know, benefiting the earth, well, then yeah. I mean, you know, this is a cattle rancher in West Sonoma County who's, you know, growing thousands of head of cattle, and this is one of you know, sort of traditionally one of the most damaging um, right. you know, cr- products on the environment, and instead he's, you know, putting carbon in the soil. He's regenerating. Uh, native plants and, and natural, you know, ecosystems. And the beef is delicious. I mean, that's the, that's the other thing is all this matters yeah, because, totally. you know, he can sell it for more and it tastes better. And, and um, so you if know, you're an industrial, uh, what we do with grapes too. If you're an industrial grower right. in, in, in somewhere Central Valley, can you just leave your, your clippings? Uh, There's absolutely no reason that you re- can't, except it for that row. it's, except for that it's messy. And, and that's it. it gets in the way. And that's why, 
but they drag they them out to the end it. and burn it. Yeah, you could do it, and you could drive through, drive a tractor through, and cut it up. But the economics of selling those grapes versus the grapes that we grow make, yeah. you know, finding the easy way to do things more important. And that's just, I mean, that's just the reality of it. That's interesting, though. You know, because we talk about mechanical harvesting. Um, with these huge vineyards like the Central Valley, what do they do in terms of pruning? Do they actually, is there a mechanical pruner that goes out there? Yeah, for sure. Really? And then uh, sometimes, That's I mean, I don't, I, you know, I don't dig into that. We should have done, done more at Unified. I don't know if you went to Unified, Bart, but I didn't make it this year. Uh, no. There's a big conference in Sacramento where they, a symposium, it's all the grape making, grape growing equipment and all the wine making equipment and all the people who sell all that stuff. And all those winemakers and growers descend on Sacramento and, and get drunk for a week, I think. Um, and uh, it's a trade show. So that's where you'd like find these, you know, the trade show floor is just full of tractors that do mechanized things huh. in the vineyard. And, and one of them is definitely, you know, pruning. Yeah, I mean, through. there are pre-pruners that go through that right. you guys actually use, which just cuts off some of the laterals, the stuff that's growing wildly. Um, but there are uh, pruners, I think, that go through, and the vineyard has to be obviously set up right, and it goes through, and it just cuts, you know, indiscriminately at that level, which is theoretically however many buds that they want it to be. Right. So it's just got a setting on it that you yeah. set, and it just yeah. that blows. And it's me probably away not very accurate. No. Right. right. Um, and maybe they send a crew through after. I, I don't know. I'm trying well, to find a I, picture. I, I think what you what happens with that is you're also um, what you lose in accuracy you're making up in speed right you know, the fact that you can prune a whole vineyard you know acres upon acres with one of these things in a day um as opposed to sending a crew of 20 out there and it takes a week um well, well, you know, so if you yeah. lose positions it doesn't really matter right yeah and it's also it's the product you know this is particularly one that i'm it. talking about is a gallo you can swipe a couple of those pictures brian We'll um, post. We'll we, post these somewhere when this goes live tomorrow, and yeah, uh, yeah. so you can look at some mechanical harvesting. Oh boy. It's really something that I, I, I don't know that much about because um, <laughs> we don't use any of it. No. no. Well, you know, I mean, a lot of the vineyards that you guys farm, you couldn't get a mechanical harvester in. It. No, it'd be a, it'd and, be um, a suicide mission, <laughs> right? Try and get it uh, up Norbaum Road. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. no, uh, uh-uh. uh not going to happen. So, in general, the fields are looking great, huh? Plants. Oh yeah, everything. Everything's good. beautiful out there right now. You know, it is. A, it's it's a really all still sleeping. Really pretty time to be here. Yeah, there's yeah. no buds or swelling or anything yet. So sap's flowing though. Sap's flowing. Yeah. Yes. How do we, so how do you know that? Is, you see that when you make the cuts when you're pruning okay. and gets wet and stuff. You know, okay. juice oozes out. Mike Benziger used to always say that's the determination of you know when um, when the true. Uh, fall till spring is is when the sap starts growing out like okay. like the right. physical right. spring for the plant so when, the, when the sap we re- are in reverses. spring now yeah i mean the, you know this for the sure plants are pulling moisture and nutrients out of the soil and bringing them up into the into the wood yeah it's start, um, the plants yeah. are starting to wake up what yeah. happened to our rain <laughs> we got it all last year uh, <laughs> we got it all in 2017. Remember yeah. the thing you know, we're not talking about anymore. I, I don't want to blow up any dams or anything like that. But um, man, I mean, it, we just Let's didn't get any rain at all this year. Well, it's only February 1st. Yeah, you know. Well, but it doesn't. It looks like it's. Uh, well, there's no rain on the horizon for us no? right now. But no, none no, at all. Like yeah, we're, pretty we dry got the uh, 70s um, coming all next week, so it's going to be beautiful here in Sonoma. Um, 
but yeah, no rain. And wherever you are, you can drink good wine, and that's the essence of the show. Just you know, look look for good wine, figure out what you like, and um, now Sam, you brought a couple of of barrel samples, right? Yeah, we uh, we brought uh, what we will be bottling this summer. Um, so I brought the 2017 bottle sort of, of white, create, bottle of red. you know, base creation of um, the homage blanc. So one is field blend of uh, Marsan, Grenache blanc, and Roussan, and then one Ooh. is 100 wow. percent Roussan. So we'll, we'll our wow. final blend will play with how much Roussan we want in there. Roussan is you know. You'll see, um, has some pretty oh, strong, yeah. strong flavors. Pretty impactful. Wow. Yeah. Just in, in general. Okay. Wow. It's amazing. and this is all going to be aged in stainless, or are you going to put this no? In this wood is in. It, this is in neutral. N- neutral. Right. So you know it'll. Um, you know, that's what the, one of the things about uh, you know, the Rhone whites and Viognier does this, and, and um, the Hommage Blanc and the so the Marsan Roussan Grenache Blanc. Um, if you do neutral oak. Um, you're gonna get partial malactic fermentation, and I I'll let Bart describe that because he knows it better and or knows it. Um, but what that does, you kind of get helps you get sort of some of those creamy textural notes, oh, like no. you know Chardonnay, oaky Chardonnay, 100% malactic, and you get buttery Chardonnay. Um, but you kind of do a little bit, and you have Rhone whites. You get some acidity, you get some crispness, you get a little bit of that texture, and you get you know really nice balanced wines. And you guys co-ferment this all together, yeah. so it's all picked at the same time, basically impressed yeah. and yeah. okay. Yeah, the you know malolactic fermentation is that there's a lot of um, uh, malic acid in grapes naturally, and with the right um, starter, um, it'll convert to lactic acid, as in dairy product, right? So the creaminess, and a lot of times. What winemakers will do is maybe you'll only um, want one or two barrels to go through ML and then leave the rest without. Or another technique is letting them all go through ML and then stopping them somewhere along the way. And then you, using you sulfur bl- or something. Blend them? And yeah, I mean, everybody's going to have their own kind of idea. Sometimes they just don't go all the way. Sometimes you don't want them to go and they go through. Um, but and what did you do for your Chenin Blanc? So in the Chenin Blanc, um, the two concrete barrels went through ML on their own. And my idea is that most likely it changed the pH enough that just kind of allowed them to go. Being in concrete. Yeah, being in the concrete. And then the um, stainless steel and the oak did not go through ML. So it's essentially one-third ML and two-thirds not. And the oak didn't. The oak did not. Interesting. I think some of it has to do with is if the... Oak barrels had had ML before, or mm-hmm. how you treated them, oh, wow. and then also it has to do with um, well, for one, the minute it was done with um, primary fermentation, I hit it with sulfur. Okay. So that kept it from going, and just a low amount of sulfur will typically keep ML from from going. Right. Um, uh, but then also, if you have high enough acid, it doesn't necessarily want to go through ML as likely. So Sam, how long do you uh, let those cover crops hang out? The cover crop. Oh, back in the vineyard. Um, typically, we ride it as close as we can until um, essentially frost season, which is once um, you've had bud break and, and the vines are starting to grow, 
um, the the frost. That's when frost is damaging. Um, and one of the things that you can do with the cover crop is by, you know, cover crop, essentially the floor of the vineyard is three feet higher, putting it closer to the the vines where the buds are growing and um, bringing the, fr- you know, the dew level up, the frost level up. So if you go out there that time of year and cut the cover crop down, um, and you kind of lowers that floor and sort of reduces some of the frost, gr- frost risk. Um, so that'll be you know, sometime in the next month or two, probably kind of depends on the vineyard site, but we'll start with the frost prone areas. It's hard to think about frost with a day like today. Right. But yeah. it's coming. I mean, especially, especially because of a day, right. <laughs> a day like today. And there's no clouds because in the I, sky, man. Because I had to say that, huh? Yeah. yeah exactly. Wasn't it last year, Sam, that we were in the Muchas Piedras vineyard and the cover crops, I swear they were head high. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, the places that um, you get as much sunshine as as Muchas Piedras and a place that really has sort of zero frost risk, um, we'll let it go, uh, you know, sort of as as long as possible. Um, And, yeah, they'll get, if there's enough water and enough soil for the plants to grow, and especially mustard and uh, bell beans maybe, but really the mustards, uh, mustard, daikon, um, they'll grow. There's a, I have a photo of me, I mean, I'm not like that tall, but totally like in a in a cover crop patch. Uh, you know, you barely have my head sticking out. Um, you know, and yeah, I've, and, and I've seen Muchas Piedras. T- there's not a lot of soil. No, so Muchas Piedras is rocks. Yeah, anything you uh, every, anything you can put back in the soil helps give you right, soil. Right. <laughs> yeah, I remember Curry was getting lost in there, and just kind of right. Oh, Curry, where'd like, he go? Like I said, Curry. This is Curry's <laughs> favorite time of year to be in the vineyards. A there's all these sticks to play with because we're pruning, right. and and he loves the cover crop, just devours it. It's the funniest thing. He like just goes out there. You know, you always hear about like a dog trying to eat grass to throw up or something. He just goes out there and eats gra- everything. Grazes. He was like a he's like a cow out in he's, West County. He's just hungry, eating grass. <laughs> hey, he is. He's lab. He's hungry. He's eating the beans. That's what gives him bad gas. Yes. So there's Sam. There. I like the homage blanc, uh, the blend as it is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the the Roussan, after tasting, I can see how it's you know it it is impactful probably, mm-hmm. and you have to ride a little that, more color to ride that line, I guess. Yeah. Huh? And color will come with a little more contact with oak. No, I mean it gets more just just the, the variety, the great variety. Yeah, right. And kind of see just that's got a little more sort of golden hue to the greenishness of the of the blend, and that's probably right. coming from you know Grenache Blanc is is a pretty Light colored um, variety. Yeah, yeah. I so, want to try that Roussan. So, yeah, what's going to sell big this year? Mm. Lambrusco. <laughs> Lambrusco. Yeah. You heard it Is here first. It? Yeah. Uh, what's going to sell big this year? Chenin Blanc. Oh. Wow. <laughs> I was going to say rosé. It's sold out. No, rose. still not. Still not. Still not. Um, no, rosé's um, on tap to have another huge year. Oh, it looks yeah, like you insane. know. It's just uh, 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 shout out to Casey Graybell for getting double gold on his uh, rosé. Anyone that listened to the podcast with um, with Casey, yeah, congratulations, yeah, he did really Casey. Well That's with his 2016. fantastic. Yeah, yeah. That's great. And and you had somebody make a comment about your Zin. Uh, yeah, the 2013 um, Estate Zinfandel. Was, I got a nice post from uh, a wine writer based in Houston, sort of. Made his name covering Italian wine, but now is working with the slow food movement doing slow wine California. So just something that I'll, I'll post about later. Um, but 
definitely something to look into. Slow food movement. That's a whole other podcast. Um, well, that started in Italy too. Started I think. in Italy. Yeah. 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 So he he went and tasted wine across California, and you know, sort of being organic. Um, it's kind of the beginning of the prerequisites, but not only. But you know, family owned and just sort of the right vibe. You know, vibe with the Italian ethos. Um, and he tasted our estate Zinfandel and wrote this post about it being, you know, the best Zinfandel he tried in 2017. And, you know, this guy goes around the country tasting wine all the time. So that's, that's it. A, that was a, a, a nice thing to hear from him. Nice. It's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, that, that'd be on my wall. Uh, we got it. We got that on the wall. We got the hot brand rosé thing on the wall. Uh, it, was a good, it was a good month of uh, filling the walls in the tasting room. Yeah, you know, the, the hot brands, uh, so for you out there... A wine business monthly every year is a major sponsor at the Unified Symposium that Sam was talking about. And every year they identify, I think, 10 or 15 brands that are the hot brands. I think 12. Yeah. 12. Yeah. And uh, 15, right Winery 16600 was, uh, was uh, awarded the hot brand for their rosé program. So congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. It's uh, probably seen more by people in the industry. It's, an indus- than, it's totally an industry. Um, thing. But it's still a nice honor. So that's awesome. Yeah. And what yeah. do you get, Sam? With your rosé, are you? That's still. Um, it's not bottled yet, is it? Your your seventeen. No, the twenty seventeen rosé. Um, they're bottling it next week. I believe. Yeah. Oh, nice. And you have two of them, or you just? No, we, we didn't do two this year. Um, ah. The the Miller, business plan. The 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 business plan. My accountant said, "Stop it." No. Right. Um, the the business plan. Uh, was in place. No, we were going to do it again, but um, the Miller Vineyard in Soda Canyon in Napa was sort of near the epicenter of the Atlas Fire and burned through pretty badly. The house was the house was burned there, so um, we didn't we didn't harvest any of that fruit. Okay. So yeah, no no two vineyards of rosé this year, just one vineyard of rosé. But, but we'll, still, we'll do it with next still year buy with something a case, else. Right? Absolutely. No, we did. Um, because of that, and you know, we sort of knew um, we we have about a hundred cases of the steel plow this year, so basically doubling last year's production of it. Um, so we'll have enough. You know, maybe it'll last until October. This well, year. you sold yeah. out fast last year. Uh, it was it was basically all gone by Grenache Day. It started on July July first and I mean, gone that, by Grenache Day. You know, really, that's. That's perfect. Yeah, you know? I have. N- you, you, there are a few cases in my cellar. If anybody wants to email me, I'll send you some. No, yeah, wait. I mean, I'm coming over today. I want some. Okay. <laughs> well, and yeah, we bottled uh, Lassiter's uh, rosé last uh, on Friday. Um, and tis, and tis what is season. that? What's it's Grenache based? Yeah, it's Grenache, Syrah, Mouvedre, and Cumois. Okay, the Anjou. Yeah, oh, I love that wine. Yeah, it, and this is a beautiful wine this year. I, I actually like the Roussan better. I, I mean, the Roussan is is just a, it's a very interesting wine. Yeah. It's got some texture to it, and yeah. it smells amazing. Um, but it's, I can see how it would be a, um, this is more of a crowd pleaser. The, right. The Hommage Blanc will be more for the masses, but I, well, no, wait, you know, we'll, you put a, bottle, we'll put a little bit of this into that before yeah, we bottle it. Yeah. Uh, I do too, Sam. I think, I think I like that bottle the re- yeah. and then bottle the rest of it. I'm going to bottle the Roussan, yeah. yeah. We're actually, we're going to end up doing that, um... With seventeen out of uh, the seventeen red from the Rossi Ranch, 
Um, we ended up with more Mavedra than we needed. Um, so we're going to have 100% Mavedra. Oh, cool. uh, Twenty seven, you know. So the, that's you know, looking way ahead into the future, we'll be bottling that in twenty nineteen release in twenty twenty. Uh, but hundred percent, hundred percent, Maved. Predicting the future, Sam. I mean, you know, that's uh, the wine business is. Um, you know, everything is in very big yearly chunks, right? I mean, you yeah. know, the things that we picked in twenty seventeen. We're not going to start selling in many cases until 2020, 2021. Yeah, and it's and, hard, and, and, and it's hard to predict your sales that far out. You won't it's, know what happens. It's, it's, let me say, no, let me rephrase that. It's, it's impossible, impossible. <laughs> yeah. to figure out your sales. Well, and Bart, talking about rosé being so hot, do you have plans on uh, getting some 2018 fruit to do a rosé for Dane Sellers? I I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. I think right now I'm in a good spot. I'm just kind of happily managing the wines I'm making. And I don't think I have the consumer base quite yet to add another SKU. Okay. Right. And, well, and then uh, for it, it will take away from other things. Right. Um, but do you have, so the wines that you made previously, do you currently have contracts set up with those same growers or you're pretty much going to figure things out as the year goes? No, I, you know, so right now, um, I have an agreement to get the Chenin Blanc again for 2018. Nice. Um, Excellent. Uh, I have I have the ability to continue to get the Zin from the vineyard that I'm getting it from. But and that's the uh, Los Chamisal. No, that's the um, um, uh, it's called Gopher Run. It's over on Carragher Road. Uh-huh. I, I haven't bottled a wine from that yet. Um, it, it will bottle it in April. The first wine. Um, it's, uh, 95% Zin and then two and a half percent, uh, Petite and two and a half percent, uh, all Conte. Ooh. Um, and, and it's, it's a big brooding wine, I must say. So, um, it's interesting. Um, so I have that and then, um, I'm this year I'm trying to save enough money and, uh, try to get some fill grown, uh, roan of some sort. Nice. And, uh, last year, uh, Phil was, grown roan. Yeah, last Phil grown last, roan. Last year there was some set aside for me, but I didn't have the, uh, I didn't have the finances, so we passed on. Uh, so this year, steel plow, or? yeah, that's where that's what we were talking about. So hopefully it'll still be there this year. I mean, the vineyard is still there. So well, you know, you're talking about what you're going to do in, in oh, 2020. Yeah. I, I mean, that's exactly it because the the fact is is right now I've got you know 1,500 cases of wine in barrels and. Um, that's, you know, so it's hard to, you know, yeah. go out and say, you know, maybe I don't need three wines this year. Maybe I need only take two, but and then as you, soon as you do that, you'll sell out of the 1500 cases and go, what am I going to do? What did I do yeah, that no, for? It's, yeah. it's, um, it's, that's the, that's the gamble of, of the wine game. I mean, you know, you're, it's, it's a, it's a long play in, investment. Um, you know, if. If you buy, I don't know if we've ever like even discussed this on this. If you bought a piece of raw land in Sonoma right now, um, it's G- February of 2018. You bought a piece of land in Sonoma. You're probably not selling wine off of that until 2027. Yeah, I was gonna say 2026. 2027. Yeah. Selling, yeah. selling, yeah. selling a bottle. Selling a bottle. Yeah, selling a single bottle. Let alone like actually making your investment back. You're just it's pure capital expense for for a decade right um before, how the hell do you do that uh well you either honestly find ways of doing it 
um, through relationships, connections, and you know economical uh, advantages, which is the the Dane sellers, the sixteen six hundreds of the of the world, uh, or your family's been in it for generations, which is you know the Gunlock Bunches of the world, or, or you have a giant pile of money and a huge amount of passion, <laughs> and um. And you say you're going to do it. You say you're going to do it, and you go out and you buy land, and you hire a winemaker, and you build a winery, and you build a brand, and, um, you know, depending on sort of your goal, your intent, uh, either it's a, a great way to lose money, or it's a great way to have something that you love, <laughs> or you build something that, you know, can last generations. Well, you said, um, did you see my comment to Ed? He tasted the prisoner. Right. And said, oh, I love this. And I said, "Look, of course it is. This, the, they they yeah. don't own a, a, vin, uh, a winery. They don't own land. They don't own the fruit. They just they make the wine, and it's they, they don't even make the wine, do they? Well, I they make the wine. This, no, no. They now just, they do. I mean, it, it it's it's it has changed. It's now been sold to a winery, a corporation that." certainly has a wine maker and they're sourcing fruit and they're actually making wine. But, um, yeah, there was a time where they didn't own anything. It was a great and, exit yeah. strategy. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, uh, and I sort of derisively said that, of course, Ed liked the prisoner. Everybody likes the prisoner. You taste it. It's delicious in its own way. Um, but Bart posted something today on Instagram, Twitter, um, that, uh, basically equated, there's sort of two ways of making wine, and one is... One is the prisoner. Can I read it? Yeah, go read it. Yeah. Okay. As consumers, we have a choice. We can consume wines made like soft drinks, or we can drink wines that are made with passion and vision by someone who really cares what the wine tastes like. I would rather pay a few more dollars for a wine that comes from a smaller, independent producer than from a big corporate operation on the chance that the wine might be distinctive and artisanal in some way. Where did where did you find that, Bart? So um, we were we were in New York uh, a few years ago and w went to a couple wine shops and I don't can't tell you the name of the wine shop. We stumbled upon it and that was hanging uh, right. on it and someone there had had written it. Someone that worked there hmm. and I snapped a picture of it and at the, it's funny at the time I think you could probably go back and find the posting and you know it's um, it didn't get much tread right it didn't you know i mean and it really stuck to me i mean i i, yeah. I, I read it all the time um and i ran across it again today i thought i'd repost it and it's it's gotten a lot of well uh, thanks for putting a lot of traction on the show oh, yeah i mean yeah uh yeah i'd love to know the guy who did it and, and soft drink wine yeah and prisoner tastes like soft drink i, I mean, mean you know i, I love coca-cola yeah, it tastes delicious i don't <laughs> drink it hardly ever because uh you know you dig in and you find out what goes into it and how it's made, and you know, you know, I don't actually want to consume that. I can you find something that drinking that. <laughs> well, right. and you know what? And to be quite honest, I mean, you could, uh, you could put it in a blindfold, uh, you know, in a, a blind tasting, and I would probably taste through it and go, "Damn, that's pretty good." You know, what is that? Right. Um, but I couldn't consume a glass of it. I couldn't consume a bottle of it. You know, this sixteen six hundreds in, I could drink a bottle. Of That's it. what right. I, right. I was thinking about right now as I'm trying <laughs> it. Try it's so, it's beautiful. Or that Roussant. I love that Roussant. I, know, that Roussant, I keep I'm, drinking it. It's got that green apple kind of finish. That I know. Tartness. You like that? Yeah. You, oh, I love. You I definitely love like that. I'm all about yeah. acid, John. 
just, just like you were back in the in, in college. The 60s. I saw yeah. some of those. We've seen those photos. <laughs> that was high school, man. <laughs> lot, well, you know, the, there was a generation of people. Um, my father's one of them. You know, when you were in high school, pot was against the law, but acid was legal. Yeah. So right. you did acid. Right. What can you, you say? Know, yeah, duh. Yeah. So I don't want to break the law. I'm giving, well, so, now it's uh, now it's DMT. I don't even know what that well, is. I need to go. Well, we're, we're going to have to turn John yeah, on. Like, <laughs> we're, we're venturing into a whole other podcast <laughs> category yeah. here. Yeah. So uh, I'll tell a quick kind of funny story. Um, Dane was in the uh, the uh, Spelling Bee semi-champion or semi-finals for uh, Northern Sonoma County the other day. And it's really interesting. It starts off, um, the words are pretty easy, and you get to round three, and it's these words, and you go from 38 kids to 14 kids. Um, and Dane's and he word... he made it to the 14? Dane, so Dane, yeah, he made it to the 14. So he made it to the fourth round, and then the fourth round, he was out very quickly. But the word that he had for the third round was hallucinate. Oh, wow. And he didn't even write it down. He just... Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> and, and I looked oh, and I shit. went, I don't know that that was right. I, wait, I don't even know how to spell Dad it. Dad told me that. And he, and he was right. And the, I heard the, it on the podcast. Right, the, the, head, the head of the school um, sent me a text message. He goes, you know, he answered that very quickly. <laughs> and my, my response back was, I don't really know what you're talking about. <laughs> there's a, there's it better a, than I would have. There's a great video on YouTube with a, with a little girl coming home from school. And the dad says, now... Your teacher called and said that you told everyone that we were growing weed at the house. And she says, yeah, that you said we were growing a lot of weed at the house. She says, yeah. She says, will you show me this weed? She goes out to the backyard and she points at the grass and along, the, you know, on the little sides where there's all these weeds. See, daddy, we are growing. And dad and says, okay, you might want to clarify that with your teacher. <laughs> Weeds. <laughs> Very important S at the end of the uh-huh. Yeah. Well, um... Let's make sure everybody knows that we want to hear from you. Um, you can get yeah. get us on our. Well, I think you've got. So yeah, uh, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Um, we'd love suggestions, um, uh, feedback. Uh, That's uh, questions. Yeah. Um, you can reach us through uh, our Facebook page. Um, we are the winemakers on Facebook. Uh, we're on Twitter, Instagram. Um, and, uh, or you can reach out for any of us individually at our, at our, uh, company emails, so to speak, um, or social media or yeah, yeah, just through social media. Um, another thing is, is we'd love for you to go onto iTunes and if you like the show, review us, um, it helps us build our leader, our, our listenership and, um, and, and hopefully tell us some friends about it. So, and if you don't like the show, please don't review us. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I, 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 very fragile. Very fragile he goes here. I don't think we can handle it. Oh, yeah, really. Uh-huh. It, might, you, it might cause us to have to open another bottle of wine. Right. Speaking, God forbid. Well, speaking of, where do they buy your wine? Oh, you can find us at danesellers.com. That's easy. D-A-N-E, sellers.com. He was way better at branding than I was because winery16600.com requires spelling, uh, letters, numbers, it's lots of uh, stuff. Just find me at Grapes with a View, and I'll tell you how to buy wine. <laughs> grapes grapes with, a view. with a View. Yeah, right. See, I like that one. And every time, no, boy, it's on the, the back of every bottle. Um, I, I 
passed on that shot that you did the other day. There was a photo, and I oh that I uh, must have gotten a hundred different that sunset picture. Yeah, it was beautiful, yeah. absolutely. So, how do they find uh, you, Sam? Uh, well, like I said, at Grapes with a View on Twitter and Instagram, uh, or find Winery sixteen six hundred. That's sixteen the word six hundred the number. Although apparently Ed. Grabbed 16boo.com and I got to grab that. So we're, we're, I think it just links to 16600. So 16boo.com. Yeah. And you're going to be bottling your rose next week. So that will be available to the public at some point, or is that all going uh, out to Wine Club? N- well, the Wine Club gets first crack at it. The wine Club shipments will go out in a couple, m- at the end of March, uh, early April. Um, and then I'll probably re- do another uh, red, white, and rose uh, right before 4th of July. Vinyl Sunday party and, and release uh, release it to the tasting room. Very cool. Yeah. And um, then, uh, let's see. Yeah. For the local people, what are you doing on Valentine's Day? Oh, that's Day right. Valentine's Day. If, if you're local, uh, we got a Valentine's Day sushi pop-up at the tasting room. Uh, at the tasting house. I don't have a tasting room. Those are for jokers. Uh, at the tasting house. <laughs> uh, really, 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 you know, a tasting, it's small. 14 people, two seatings, uh, a six, and an 830, five courses, Wine and sake pairing with our friend Sushi Noma Jacob here, the, the sushi master in town. Uh, and you can call, email, and, and reserve a spot for that, but do it quick because there's only, there's only you know, 30 spots total, basically. And I want to give a shout-out to um, Clifford and Katie. Oh, yeah. I was lucky enough to sit next to them um, Clifford Brown, at, at Philippe Cumbie's uh, birthday lunch, and they, they are, I don't know, they're wine club members of yours. Yeah. Very sweet people, very interesting people, fun Good people, fun. And, yeah. um, and podcasters. Uh, podcasters, Are yeah. Um, and he's a musician. I think he plays saxophone. Uh, trumpet. Trumpet. Yeah, okay. he's the the great grand, uh, the grandson of a sort of seminal bebop trumpeter named Clifford Brown, who died very young, actually. So he kind of took the the family mantle and cool. played very the horn. cool. Yeah. yeah, they made my day. I had a good lunch. I was sitting next to uh, uh, Morgan Peterson on one side, and then I had uh, uh, Clifford and Katie Sounds and her parents from Las Vegas that were yeah. here visiting. That and was so a good I, I had a yeah. I had a good time. And you can reach me at um, um, on Instagram at Sonoma Wine Lover and on Twitter at hashtag Sonoma Wine Lover. So uh, send me a message anytime. Well, everybody, thanks for. Uh, listening and we will be back next week and um i think that'll be number 38 so we're almost we're, almost reaching my age <laughs> what do we get to 66 what, maybe you mean after 10 or more <laughs> in about, in, uh, maybe yeah, in june right. <laughs> all right thanks for listening everybody i'm i'm john myers this is the winemakers we'll talk to you next week